Hello, and a very warm welcome to the very first episode of eTalks, our initiative by the Teachers Touchstone Private Limited and e Siksha Jopal. Now, eTalk is all about shifting paradigm, shifting paradigm in the field of education. In this show, we actually invite educators from across the globe who have been able to contribute something to the field of education with their new ideas or with something innovative that they have done. And how do they look upon the very changing scenario of education with the onset of uh, the pandemic? If I believe personally, I believe education is the only field which has taken very positively to this new normal. Blended learning, flipped learning, uh, the incoming of technology, we teachers and educators have adapted to it in a very positive way. So here I have one of my guests from Sweden, Mr. Martin Richards, and he's the founder of C4E, Coaching for Educators, which is an organization. And the very first thing, which he's my first guest and a very valuable topic he's going to talk about, because this is the most important thing in the pandemic that many of us as educators have experienced that many students who have now returned to the schools are the ones who have lost their parents. So getting them back onto the academics is now our second priority. The first is to make them believe in themselves, letting them adjust to this you know, catastrophe, to this uh, kind of incident that has happened in their life. Getting them back to normalization is our first priority. And herein comes the teacher's role. That is, she has to be patient, he or she, and she has to, more than listening from the ears, she has to listen from the heart. And this is all what, you know, Martin deals with. His very course is known as listening from the heart. That is, if you listen from the heart, that's what I understand, Martin, that you're able to make a rapport, not just a rapport, a formal rapport with your students, but a emotional you know rapport that we were just discussing off uh, offline that you know um, a, a child should trust a teacher he should know whatever my teacher is telling me i should believe in it it's it doesn't mean that he cannot question he can of course question you know he has his curiosities but then he should know that my teacher is actually if even if he's scolding he's scolding it me for my good Right. So, Martin, I would like you to talk about uh, first introduce yourself and then talk about your course, Listening from the Heart. Certainly. Uh, I am a teacher. I was born in the UK and I taught mathematics in the UK. I love mathematics. And we were speaking offline about how certain students from certain countries excel at mathematics. And if I was to count yeah. them, it does seem to be uh, students from India who are one or two years ahead, particularly when they're in their teens, uh, and have a very clear understanding of mathematics and often very different ways of bringing about the calculation. Uh, so it's with great res respect that I work internationally with students uh, in mathematics. Um, but I didn't stay in the UK. I moved to Sweden, as you mentioned earlier. I am now resident in Sweden, and here I taught English to both students, but mostly adults, and, and discovered that one of the greatest hindrances to a learner excelling 
is fear. Fear of failure, fear of being seen, which is crazy because that's going to hold them back for the whole of their lives. So I became interested in how can I motivate the students who I think could do a lot better? And I don't think scolding will help. Uh, you mentioned scolding there as a way of, of motivating. Yeah, we do on occasions uh, have to point the finger and say, wait, 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 you, you don't do that. Being firm, being firm sometimes. Yes, firm, uh, assertive, clear, all of those kinds of things. But that has to be balanced with, and in fact, founded on a relationship of trust. That's exactly. been lost a little bit here in, in Sweden. There, there's a relationship of friendship between teacher and student, and which leads to, I think, too much uh, challenging from the student to their teacher, particularly when you've got students who have not been brought up in this country and have developed the trust for the teacher from their childhood. So the relationship is different, it's much more uh, even and equal compared to other countries where the teacher is raised up as being, as you mentioned, the guru, uh, a teacher, close to, to God, to the divine. Um, we don't go there at all in, in this yeah, country. <laughs> so we have to find other ways of motivating students. We're not elevating the teacher, we're elevating the student. We're lifting them up as part of the divine. I've not thought of it in that way before, but I'm using your words just to, to feel how they sound. And it, it is no, a little no, bit no. like that. Uh, we aim to um, communicate, come in contact with the student intellectually around mathematics, around English, or whatever the subject is. When we're talking about grammar, when we're talking about differential equations, this is all an intellectual game or communication. But if we aren't connected to the student as a human being, then that intellectual game just falls apart. So what we're looking at is how do we connect and communicate with people who are in that different position, that perhaps lower position, um, in such a way that it's respectful. And we call that listening from the heart. And there are certain ingredients that are part and parcel of the skill set, which a, teach, a teacher would learn, actually not learn so much as recognize that they already have the skill and amplify it a little more. And what we're noticing is that the students become self-reliant, self-motivated, because they are no longer looking up to the teacher and trying to please the teacher. They're looking inward to themselves and doing what um, is right for them to do. And that means sometimes that a student will not excel in mathematics. They're not going to follow that path. They may be more into music or more into languages or, or whatever, but it allows them to authentically connect with themselves and develop those skills that they have within them. And we see such surprising results that students we thought were shy, were slow, suddenly blossom because now they are self-motivated instead of motivated by others. And by others, I include their parents, I include their teachers who want the best for them, but perhaps it's not actually the best for them. 
because what's really best is coming from from within, from the inside. So that's what we work with. Yeah. So uh, coming to the point that you know, now that you have explained what uh, it is aiming at, so what are the techniques do you use? Is it that you know? Because see, teachers have a lot to do in the class apart from teaching. So uh, how do? What are the techniques that they use within that classroom where there are more than one child? They have to Absolutely. pay attention to all the children, you know. So yes. how do they take out the time? What is the way they do it? I don't think they're taking out the time. They're using their time differently. We've all got 24 hours in a day. You know, we've all got the same amount of time. Really, it's not a focus. It's not a, an increase or a decrease. It's a change of focus. I'd like to share an example. Uh, I tend to teach in a coach-like way. So I'm trained as a coach although I'd be in a teaching situation. And many of the students I find would like me to do the work for them. They put their hand up and say, can you come and help me? Can you come and show me how to do it? I've just done that. I've just done that twice on the board. And I know that perhaps they weren't really paying attention. Now I could scold, I could let them know that they're wasting my time, or I could teach the whole class by focusing on one student. So I might say to that student, so what are you stuck on? They would tell me. How far have you come? And they would tell me. So where are you actually stuck? What is it that's getting in the way? And it might be they haven't read the question properly. They haven't understood key words in the question, particularly with mathematics. They must understand the concepts. And at that point, instead of teaching them, I would ask them, where can you find that information? Where can you look to find the answer to the problem that you just identified? Where is, where is there an answer apart from me? Because if I go and answer that one student and help them individually, I'm turning my back a little bit on the rest of the class. So I don't, don't leave the class. I, I kind of broadcast my message to the whole class, but I'm actually talking to one student at a meta level. So I'm working with their ability to learn for themselves, to find the information that they need and to make it clear to them that I'm not going to teach them again. If I've taught them on the board once, that's it. I'm not going to do it again and again and again until they get it. They have to put some effort in. And I've noticed that if I'm working with one student, all of them are stuck somewhere at some time. They get stuck on something, but they've heard my meta method, which is identify where you're stuck, find the resources that you need. And that resource could be sitting beside you. It could be sitting behind you. It could be in a book. We now, we're all connected to the internet, particularly in Swedish schools. Kids can take out their phones and surf. They can find the, a, a YouTube clip. They can find uh, re references if they want to solve the problem. So what's happening is the learner becomes a self-teacher, which takes a lot of pressure off the teacher because there's only a limited amount of time you have in class. You That's can't go through teaching over and over again. In fact, some of my teaching has been, let's watch a YouTube clip, or it's even been, I mean, this grows over, over years. Uh, for tomorrow's lesson, we're going to look at this, and I give them some topics some concepts, go find a clip 
go find a, a reference that you think really nails the explanation. Right. And they will do the research themselves and they will almost compete to find the best, juiciest, funniest explanation for each other. So the teaching role becomes teaching about learning rather than teaching about mathematics or in my case, English most recently. And in that way, the teacher's job shifts from being knowledge bearer, like I know the whole of the English language, if I'm teaching English, I become, I know about learning and I'm here to watch you grow as a learner. And that's so empowering because instead of being dependent on the teacher to teach them, they're dependent on themselves. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you because uh, if I see myself as a learner, as a student, um, even when I'm working in my workplace, I listen to people, but I don't like being instructed. You know, I don't like people telling me, you know, you need to do this job, this, this, this way, these are the steps. So it is with me that, okay, you have given me this, now I'll do it. You want it to be done this way, I will do it. But now how I do it and how mm. do I come to it is my way, right? So I think in, in that course, I discovered so many things, so many other things, you know, apart from what I'm supposed to do, that it enlightens me. And it gives me a, a, a new, you know, um, confidence within myself. So I understand even for the same for the children. So what do you say that you, um, more than a teacher, you become a facilitator. In facilitating yes, learning. Oh, the name for it, yeah. Yes. You make it easy for them to learn. Yes. You yes. design the, right. the room, yes. relationships. So like, if they want to learn through a YouTube, if he's a visual learner, he's an, uh, you know, he learns to oratory more, he is more into linguistics. So accordingly, he can pick up the lesson the way he wants to learn it. Now, the other thing, Martin, is coming to the main point. When you talk about your company, C4E, so how does it help the teachers? This is how you have applied it in your own classroom. But what does your organization do as such? Exactly. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, C4E <laughs> is an organization that it does two things. One, it goes out to coaches, and that's life coaches, not educational coaches. And we ask them to, we ask them first of all, how they feel about how they were taught in school. If their children are at school, we ask them how they think about that. And they always have deep respect for teachers and they acknowledge the sheer impossibility and hats off to them for the past two years. I don't know that I could have done what they have done. I'm not here to say, oh, do it like me. Absolutely yeah, yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. We, we love them to bits. Now, we would love to double their income. We would love to say your salary is double, but we can't quite do that. Uh, even if we have some influence with the government, we can vote them in and vote them out. But we're not quite that powerful. So what we've come up with is how can we support educators in the most practical way? And that is to listen to them in conversations which are designed for the teacher to grow, to learn about themselves and grow. Now, usually there's an issue that they, the teacher would have. It might be with a student, it might be with a class, it might be with just the sheer weight of work. That's the doorway 
for them from going where they are to where they want to be. And these professional coaches have the skills and the experience of guiding people to find the door and pass through into a kind of new world, a, re a revelation. That's one of the teachers said that when she was coached by, by a coach, she never re realized how powerful she was until she was coached. So you go from being trapped inside a, a limited um, situation, um, the class or the teachers or the, whatever it is, and you find a doorway with the help of a coach and you put your head through the doorway and go, wow, I never knew this. And we don't know what this is, but the teacher does. So we're guiding them to find a way out of uh, limitations. So is, it a, is it a sort of mentoring um, program mm, that you're talking about? No. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm very quick there. Mentoring would be, I'm a teacher with many years experience. Let me tell you what to do. We don't do that. It's simply a um, conversation that's designed for you, the, the, the teacher, to learn about yourself and grow. And we do that without knowing anything about teaching. We don't go anywhere near teaching, except that the person we're talking to is a teacher, that just happens to be the case. But the teaching is not our business, it's the teacher's business. So a mentor would talk about how to teach. We don't, there's no advice. There's no guidance, except in a more facilitating role, we would ask questions like, what are you most passionate about? What lights you up? We'd also look at what's getting in the way, what's a way around it, what's a way through it. And we also played with a, a wonderful question called if, if that wasn't a problem, what would you be doing instead? And suddenly the teacher's talking about a new world on the other side of the problem. And the problems almost disappear. I say almost because in reality, they're still there, but they're no longer focusing their energy on problem, problem, problem. They're focusing on solution and life after the solution. It's quite magical. You mentioned spiritual yes. at the beginning here. There is a strong connection of trust between the coach and the educator, that's what we stand for. On the one side, we recruit coaches. On the other side, we recruit or we inform educators. This is available to you. You can have a coaching conversation with a professional coach, keep your money. We don't want your money. <laughs> it's nothing to do with cash. We're here to say thank you. We're here to support you. And the way we do it is through dialogue. So in order to set a little bit of a limit to it, because otherwise we would just give, 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 give. There's not, it's like teachers explaining, explaining, explaining. You're going to say stop at some point. So we have four sessions as a maximum. That's, the, that's how we were, up to four sessions. It's easy to remember coaching four educators, the number four in the middle. So oh, you get four sessions. It's not, it's not a reason, it just happened to be you know, coincidence. Um, we, we tried with three, it's too short. The first session is usually building that relationship of trust, 
How we do that, that's the coach's profession to do that, is also a lesson for many teachers because they realize that they're opening up to a complete stranger and that's what they want their students to do. They want the students to open up and become really good at mathematics. And that requires courage. It requires stepping into making mistakes and learning from them. And if they can do that with their students, then their students will learn a lot more. So that's our, our second thread is um, to help teachers realize what coaching is so that they can decide whether or not they want to either be coached some more, learn about coaching, uh, realize that they do coach their students. Sometimes, not all the time, maybe. Sometimes they have to focus on what they're teaching. And by, by doing that, we can support the educators inside the system to grow and support our students. In the end, I suppose we do have a long-term perspective. It's our grandchildren and great-grandchildren who are going to benefit. And, and when we're really, really old and in our rocking chairs, we will know that, yeah, we did something. We didn't give the teachers double the salary, but we did do something. Yeah. Uh, Martin, so if, for example, one of our schools uh, want to take up this program, how do you go about it? Like, do you require a certain number of days from the school or when the school is still in progress, it's going on with its regular routine, um, therein you go, you step in and start. Is it that you work with teachers individually or is it like a, a you know, a training that you give? How does it work, you know, if a school approaches you? Yeah, so if a school approaches, you usually get an approach from, let's say, a courageous teacher who says, what's this? I want to find out more. Okay. Sometimes it's the head or the principal. And what we do then is to give them an experience of the kind of atmosphere that we need to have in order for coaching to grow. It's a bit like when you grow plants, you know, you can't just drop the seeds on rocks. You have to put them in the right soil. So we have something called Listening from the Heart. It's a webinar. It's an interactive webinar, I should say, where people come along to listen for the first half an hour to what is Listening from the Heart? What is this thing that we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Then they practice it. So what's happening is in, a, in an amateur way, because nobody on the call has to be trained, they will get a taste of what it means to be heard. So listening and being heard. At the end of that, we invite them to, if they can prove that they're a teacher, we invite them to be coached by a professional for up to four hours. So it's listening from the heart first, then coaching for educators comes next. What happens after that is if it's online, if people want to access our material online, there's a continuation of the listening from the heart, a foundational course in how to become more coach-like. Then that can be delivered live uh, at the school, but we've mostly done it online because we're taking teachers from multiple schools and putting them together. We're finding that bringing teachers from different schools and different countries is as enriching as the course material. <laughs> so you've, we've got a, a double uh, uh, 
value in our online courses because they, they require us to communicate in this way. They're not, they're not um, yes, we do have some material to read, but our online courses are live like this call here. And then people sit in small groups to, to experience and develop their skills. Yeah, got it, got it. Uh, so um, thank you, Martin, for introducing this entire uh, program because, you know, uh, from day one, when I've been talking about this to people, they were like, so how does he do it? You know, uh, is it like a normal training where you, people come in and lecture you and some activities are done? But this is actually coaching. So yes, I would like to tell absolutely. my audience that this is not, you know, this is not something wherein you have to give in an entire day, even the principals who are listening to us, this is not giving an entire day, you just need to uh, be online, be, you know, it's like a coaching, like you, you coach your students, it is like that, you know, so it will be at your convenience, the time that you give your daily school schedule will not be disturbed at all, right, Martin, I don't think that's going to happen. No, we don't stop anything. Uh, what we've noticed is those teachers whose curiosity and courage have led them to be coached come okay. back into the classroom and not only do they feel good in themselves, but they're actually able to ignite that feel-good feeling because they're able to listen to their students in a, a more meaningful way. We, more meaningful, I mean, intellectual is meaningful, but it's yeah, another yeah. meaning to really understand, particularly you've mentioned students who've lost their parents, because the teacher immediately becomes like a parent, yes. someone the child would look up to. And if that person says, I don't have time for you, I'm busy with, the, with yes. my subject, yes. 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 that would push the child even lower in their self-esteem. So often it's a question of pausing and making time slow down. That's a curious thing to say. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that is what I was uh, even talking about in the beginning, that, you know, uh, the biggest challenge now that we face is dealing with children who have lost their parents. Suddenly, their financial status has almost come down, crashing down. Emotionally, they are feeling low. So in such a case, academics becomes a secondary thing. More than that, a teacher needs to now build up a rapport uh, on a more human level, you know, uh, on a more uh, humanity uh, sake, more than just a teacher. So thank you, Martin. Thank you for taking out time and audience. My name is Shilpi. I'm the host of the show. And this is not the end. In continuation, we'll have another episode of the same show, eTalk, where Martin again will be here once again. But this time we are going to discuss about what is it that the two, you know, education system, the Indian and the European education system have to give to each other. And what is it that we admire about each other's education system? So thank you, Martin. Thank you once again for taking our time, being here and talking to us. It was uh, quite on our list, but we were not taking, uh, you know, able to do it. So um, how would, would you like to end this? Would you like to say something? Like, have you ever visited India or are you going to? You know, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to leave Sweden. Um, <laughs> There's so many restrictions on, on travel. I know they, they yeah. recently eased, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I, I tend to travel by Zoom. So this morning I was on a call in New Zealand. Ah, who yeah. knew? And I tend to travel backwards around the world because in my morning, New Zealand is the afternoon. And then I guess it's the afternoon for you in India. 
And then I would, I would gradually move back and maybe this evening I will be talking to somebody in America. So that, that tends to be the way that I travel. It also brings me very quickly into contact with people from different cultures without necessity of travel, without necessity of learning multiple languages, because yeah, there, there would always be that. Um, I think our students, our teenagers and younger, they will travel the world digitally more than we did physically. They will be in contact with multinational teams working on projects that hopefully are going to have a more global think about them. And I'm thinking of the environment. I'm not going to get in my environment soapbox. But if anyone's going to solve the problems with the environment, it's not us, because we tend to think of our own backyard. Our younger people tend to think globally, and I'm sure that's going to bring them into multiple languages. So obviously, I'm <laughs> suggesting everyone should learn English. <laughs> um, yes, and the other languages too. Um, and, and just be prepared to meet people whose minds are different, which is the whole point. If we're in a group of people who, who have the same sort of mindset that we do, we think we found the solution, but actually we just pointed the problem again, which is we all think the same. Thinking differently and being able to work with those people with respect requires this heartfelt contact between us, that we're all human beings on the planet and not people representing a country or a language. So I think Coaching for Educators has a global role to play. We are global, um, we're on every continent and listening from the heart is the communication method that's going to help us bridge across between all of those continents. And thank you, Zoom. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Thank you once again. And I would like to inform my principals and teachers who are watching us that Teachers Touchstone Private Limited is going to roll out its NEP training in January in collaboration with Martin with his course listening from the heart. So in NEP, we'll be talking about formative assessment. We'll be talking about uh, multidisciplinary, um, you know, integrating subjects. Uh, both at the junior level and senior level, and also fostering growth mindset in collaboration with one of our big organizations, spiritual organizations, which we'll reveal in times to come. So thank you, Martin, and hope to see you in our, uh, you know, once we begin the training once again, and for the next episode, of course. So that's it for today. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>